this is the Flavor of Leadership podcast. I am your host, Clint Hoops. Together, we explore the unique blend of leadership wisdom that helps top leaders consistently achieve work goals, develop personally, and find fulfillment with family. Let's get started. Welcome to the Flavor of Leadership podcast. This is episode number 29. A little bit different episode today. You might hear in the background a little bit of a little bit of road noise going on. We're actually driving down the road here. I'm I'm with uh, two of our executive directors from our company, Certified Fire and Security. I have Aaron Tuttle here. Hello, welcome to the show, Aaron and Danny Holmgren. How's it going? Excellent. Appreciate you guys being here. They're stuck in a in a car right now with me, and we decided that we were going to do a short little podcast episode as we are going down the road. So a little bit different. Once again, you may hear some road noise, but we thought, hey, this is a perfect chance. So often as we are driving down the road on some of our trips, we end up having really some great conversations about about different topics. And and often I come away from our conversations thinking, man, I wish I had recorded that or or come away with topics that I write down and, and end up being able to use for future shows. And so today I was with these with these fine gentlemen and said, "Hey, they were nice enough to to agree to to be on the podcast here today." And so, you know, a topic that we have talked about quite a bit within our organization is is something we refer to as calf paths. So, I'm going to describe a little bit about calf paths and what they are and then we're going to have a little conversation. I was actually first introduced to Calf Paths from a previous company I was with, amazing organization. And this is something that they focused a lot on and something that I have done myself and brought into this company where Calf Paths are something that comes from an, a poem. And so the poem was written long time ago, more than a hundred years ago, by a man by the name of Sam Walter Foss. And we're, I'm going to put a, a link to to this poem so you can read it in its entirety. But the poem essentially says, it gives an example of this little calf. So a new, a new little calf, you know, is a little wobbly and, and just having this calf walk down through a meadow. And as the calf goes through this meadow, it begins to, to form basically a little path. And eventually, you know, a dog later crossed that same path. And later the path became kind of a game trail and it winds here and there. And later, because the path was already there, humans began following the path, other animals, and then it became big enough to be a road. And then later it became a, a major street. There are buildings built on the side. And then years later, this windy path ended up being a major thoroughfare with a large city all around. But the whole city was built around this crooked path. And the crooked path it says within the poem that that someone traveling on that road would travel some three miles in one, is what it says. And so, meaning instead of a straight line that could take them right through, they followed the old path of that calf. And so, in the end, this poem explains a lot of different things that we often do in our own lives, in our own companies. And so, Danny and Aaron, any thoughts around this poem in ways that you've seen us be able to apply that to things you've seen in, in your operations? Yeah, absolutely. I had heard the the Calf Path poem, I think, once before, either in a leadership from a company or at a retreat or a seminar or a church or I, so, somewhere. I'd been exposed to it before, but never in the way that we have kind of embraced it and talked about it and, and to, to the point that 
calf path is a known term within our organization from top to bottom. But I think it's great because when you can visualize this this story, and the, and the poem is so great for that because you, you do create this great visual of starting with that calf, taking its first step along the path, and before you know it, all of the animals that have followed it and turned it into this winding trail and people and a city has evolved around it. You can visualize this happening, and then you start to go, okay, what is this really? what does this really mean? And you start to look at things that you do in, in, in your own life whether that be routine that you that you have in your life, the way that you drive to work, the way that you make breakfast. It, it could be any sorts of things personally. And, and then within an organization, you can look at the way that you, that you exist in the terms of your processes, the way that you do business with your customers, the way that you send out your invoices to your customers. And, and oftentimes, uh, you could have a consultant that comes in or, or an outsider or, or a new employee that'll come into your organization and, and may question a process. And how often do we find ourselves saying, well, I don't know. That's just the way that we've always done it. And whenever you can find yourself saying those words, that's just the way that we do it, it is more than likely a, a calf path. And, and sometimes your calf paths are good. A, a, an old path could lead right into town, could lead the place that it's supposed to go. But in many cases, it could be inefficient or more difficult or challenging than it needs be. And so being able to have those conversations has really been helpful for me introspectively to look at what I do, as well as to bring it up with our, our team and always be trying to find a, a, a more efficient or a more effortless way to conduct business. Yeah, it makes me think of, you know, when you said people say that's the way we've always done it. It makes me think of the term, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, we hear that sometimes. And sometimes that's true. You know, if it, if it isn't broke, maybe it's not the top priority right now. But man, sometimes just doing it because that's how we've always done can make us be as foolish as those that, that follow behind that calf. I just think of calf paths in the sense of doing the same thing because someone else before you had done it. And I think we're all victim to doing that, especially when we first get introduced to something. I think of my journey here as certified. You know, I've been here about a year and coming in as an outsider into a new industry that's the norm. That's that's kind of your comfort zone is kind of falling in line and doing what they did. I don't want to make waves. I don't want to cause issues. I don't want to ruffle feathers. But at the end of the day, I think it almost was a blessing coming in outside of the industry because I got to challenge things just because I didn't know better. And it was interesting to see how many calf paths were in place that people didn't realize were calf paths. And to be able to question that and then help show everyone, hey, there's a much straighter, easier, and as Danny said, effortless way. Uh, it's very empowering and liberating, honestly. Yeah. It's amazing how many of those things we find in our current industry or in our or within our organization. It's funny, sometimes in an effort to get away from a calf path, we'll start doing something a, a different way, experimenting. And before you know it, you often will create a new calf path, maybe something totally. that's, that's not the best way of doing it when you were trying to get better. And as long as you continue to iterate and have new new ways of doing it, and as long as you're improving, then it won't become a calf path. I think it's so, – so what's kind of the difference in your guys' thoughts? Like what's the difference between, you know, you're, you're just going down the road, you know, trying to keep things going as best you can, if it ain't broke, don't fix it mentality versus when it's a calf path? Like what's – What's the difference? When does it become a calf path? What do you guys think? I think for me, it's all about attitude of being willing to try something new or analyze and 
see if it is efficient or if there is an opportunity to get better when you're against that or not this just works it tends to lead itself more along the calf pathway but i've also been involved with companies and cultures where especially in the tech world it you know a calf path was unheard of because things changed by the minute and in many instances that almost became the calf path is we can't stay stagnant. It has to change nonstop. So there can so you can't standardize processes because right. it's going to change tomorrow. So why worry? Totally. So I just think it's more or less the attitude that the company and the people have of being willing and open to try something new and make sure that there isn't a more efficient way to do something. I love it. Danny, any other thoughts? No, I think that I think that about covers it. A, a lot of it is is strictly just attitude and openness and willingness of people to be able to at least be open to the fact that there may be a better way. And and you may end up reverting back to finding that, no, that the, the original way that we were doing it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it way, was actually the best way to do it. That That's okay. I've, I mean, we, we've had that happen yeah. within within our organization. Yeah. We've had a few things exactly like that where we, we thought we were in a calf path and come to find out that that ended up being the, the best way. So totally, I can think of, uh, of a few different examples where I've had this happen. So, you know, I, I, I can think of a time back in a previous organization where we had this form, you know, it was a form that someone had created because there was a need, right? And so this employee would fill out this form dutifully every day because that's what was expected. And I remember I came in as the new leader within this organization and I asked the employee, hey, why, why do you do this form? And he says, well, oh, well, this reason and that reason. And he gave me all these reasons that he had established in his mind for why the form was being done. He'd been doing it for about five years. And come to find out, I, I just asked him, like, well, that's, that's excellent. Could you help me find, you know, where we need to do that for the regulation? You know, in this case, there was a regulation that was involved. And come to find out, we did a little more searching and found out, wow, the regulation actually didn't require this form. So this person had been wasting 30 minutes to an hour a day, every day for years, and now no longer needed to do the form. <laughs> and, and it seems so simple. And, but all it took was a little, bit of, a little bit of questioning just to make sure that we weren't doing the same type of thing over and over. Yeah, I think it's interesting because so often we are creatures of comfort or creatures of habit, right? And we find this just comfort zone in doing the same thing over and over because someone at some point said that you needed to do this or that it was imperative for your position. And in all actuality, you don't need to do it. Maybe you've never even questioned it. In some cultures, you know, questioning things is a terrible thing. I mean, it's a dishonor to your family or to your boss or coworkers, you, you just take orders, return and report. But I think that's what's so great about our company specifically and, and just good business in general is always evaluating how can we get better? Why are we doing this? Is there a better way to do it? You know, and in many instances, there is. Yeah, it's amazing how often there are better ways of doing things and because different isn't always better like we had kind of talked about. So it's not a matter of just changing for change sake. That's that's one something we want to make sure we're not we're not misunderstanding. Even going back to the original poem, like we said, we originally said the path was windy. You know, that's where this came from. It's a windy path. 
You know, if you can get a direct path, a direct way to get to where you want to go, if you can see that clearly, in the case of the calf path poem, they ended up building cities all around this crooked path. And so the effort to straighten out the path would be immense. It would mean knocking down buildings in order to straighten out the path. And so sometimes we have to knock down some buildings in order to not fall into a, a calf path. So my question is for you guys, what do you think? When is it when is it worth the cost? And when is it not worth the cost within the organization to tear down these calf paths? That's a good question. I think it's worth it when it can help to make the overall experience more effortless. And that's a word that that we talk about internally. So I, I know amongst the three of us that that makes sense. But but we talk about that in terms of trying to make things as simple as possible for our employees and for our customers that are doing business with us. And so for me, anytime that there's a, a, a process in which the employee's job will be easier and or the customer can have a, a simpler, more streamlined experience doing business, then I think that's when it at least starts to become a, a conversation to have. And, and you obviously have to weigh the the, the cost, the cost benefit. And, and oftentimes with, with many processes, it's it doesn't cost anything to change your process. It just is, instead of it doing this way, we're now going to outline and storyboard it and and and, and create a workflow in, in which we now do it this way. And, and that doesn't cost anything other than than time. So I, I think that's that's probably a good accelerator. And, and, and speaking of accelerators, I, I think a, a component that can be both a, such a strength and it can be a a crutch for for companies is usage of te- technology. Technology can be so wonderful in helping us to be able to break calf paths. You look at, you know, when, when a company financially talks about opening the books, closing the books, we forget that that used to actually be a process. There used to actually be a book in which all of the accounting, every single transaction was kept in green ledgers. And so the process of, of closing the books or let's go look at the books literally was go pull the book off the shelf and you have to write everything and calculate everything. And so being able to utilize accounting software is, is an incredible departure from, from a calf path that I don't think there's a single accountant on this earth would argue is, has been a, a bad transition. But we can also rely too much on technology, thinking that that software or machines or any other sort of technological development is going to magically save the day in our process. And, and in many cases, it can add more steps, more complexity, more difficulty, removing that effortless component that is ultimately what we're seeking to, to make it easier for employees or customers to be able to, to work with the company. And, and we end up having that technology make things worse. So that's something to be very careful with in, in analyzing in an organization is technology doesn't just magically fix everything. And in fact, in many cases, it can make it worse, but it can also be a marvelous accelerator. Yeah, if your processes aren't clear, yeah, it could definitely make things worse. That's a good observation. One one thing that came to mind as Danny was talking is it's interesting when you weren't the one who originally kind of created the calf path, it's so much easier to call it out and to want to change it. So to your point, it's it's easy to say, yep, it doesn't matter what it takes. We need to redo this. But when it was you that originally set it up, it's a very humbling experience to say, holy cow, maybe I made the wrong decision or we've established so much around this and now we need to change it. 
And it's a daunting and, like I said, humbling experience to have to do that and face the brutal facts. Takes it takes a ton of humility it does and i think we we've both seen that aaron in in our branches that sometimes that's i think that's one of the most difficult parts about changing away from calf paths is that the creator of that calf path is still the owner of that process and so there is so much passion and so much just ownership and accountability behind it and and that's a good thing but it's also difficult to try to be able to break that person away from it when you discover that that is a windy road that is that is riddled with inefficiency, but trying to convince somebody who has so much pride in it because they created it that there's a better new way that's I think that's where at least we've seen a lot of of resistance and sometimes difficulty to to get people to change and and in some cases you end up having to find middle ground and negotiate with those people on 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 something that seems as trivial as a process but but it's also great to see that that passion that takes place in their ownership of it. So how do you coach someone to do that? I mean, most of our listeners on the show are leaders of some sort or people that want to be leaders. And so if they're encountering a situation like this, I imagine many who li- who are listening right now might be thinking, might have had some process within the organization or something that is done within their own team or even in just your own life. That is kind of perked up in your mind and made you think, okay, man, I need to change that. But but how? I need to coach so and so or help so and so to make that happen. What, what do you guys think? How how can how can someone address that with one of their team members or even multiple team members to change a process that you think needs to be changed? But maybe they don't they don't know that yet. I think it starts with the from from the leader who's questioning it, being able to portray right up front the spirit behind why we're even having the discussion. Clint, you do a great job with this. And when, when we have meetings with our team of right from the beginning, oftentimes being able to say, I don't have an agenda. I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to accomplish anything here other than simply that we ask the questions and make sure that, that we're on the right path. And, and if we end up having the discussion, doing the analysis and find that the way that we're doing it is the best way, I'm great with that. I'm fine with that. So I, I think it starts with just being able to have humility letting people know, I'm not here to come in and try to change your process unless we can collectively find that there is a, a, a better way. And I think when it's phrased that way, I don't think there's very many employees in, in, in an organization that would ever truly fight back against trying to have something be a better way. But what they will fight back with is being micromanaged, having somebody who's trying to tout their title and authority or to just change things for the sake of, of change, those are all things that will create resistance from an employee. But feeling, I don't have an agenda here other than making things better for everybody, so let's let's talk it through. I think it just breaks down some of the natural barriers that can that can just come up in the in the course of, of having pride in that ownership. One of my favorite sayings is people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And to Danny's point, when People know how much you care, and that's why you're having these, you know, tough conversations. It's a game changer in analyzing things together and, and using words like we and us and our, you know, it whole different experience to both parties than you and I and it's the mirror and the window analogy, right? You have to you have to be able to take ownership 
and work on solving the problem together. I've been involved with leaders who always pointed out the problem and never offered solutions or never, they weren't transparent. And so they had an agenda and I didn't know what it was. They already had the problem probably solved in their yeah, mind but they before wanted, they even asked. They right? wanted you to be the one who said the answer. And that was Leading questions and yeah, all that. Yeah, that was super frustrating and honestly made me kind of shut down because I didn't feel like they cared about me. They were they were just trying to you know, get me to say what they wanted me to do. And at that point, you know, like Danny said, as an employee, you just feel like, all right, well, well tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it. And, and the ownership is at an all-time low. Yeah, that's an important distinction because there are things that need to have the decision made as a leader. You as the leader identify a problem and you just have to make it happen. And it does end up being something where you come in and say, okay, this is something that's changing and we need to change it now in this way. It's, it's a clear thing. And there are other things that are going to be like we've kind of been discussing where the process may be owned by someone else and you need to help them discover a better way. And perhaps the idea you have is a better way, but maybe together you work to discover it. So that can be an important distinction in, in either of those cases. No, that's a good point. And honestly, again, if, if you're transparent, I mean, for me, transparency is key with a lot of this. I've shared examples before my previous life where you got a thumbs up or a thumbs down, depending on your performance. And I mean, literally, there was no balance sheet, no income statements, no uh, details whatsoever. No percentage of how well you were doing or not. It's just you either did good or you didn't. And as a leader, I feel like that's crippling both to get from your leader and then as a leader towards your direct reports. How can you be transparent if there's no transparency to you? And that's one thing I love about Certified is it's full transparency. And, and you can tell that there is genuine care, concern, and honesty behind everything that we're doing. We're having those conversations and people are involved. And that doesn't mean that there aren't times, Clint, where you as a CEO come in and say, hey guys, we're changing this or this is something we're doing. But Danny and, and I in those instances know, okay, this is what needs to happen. He's letting us know why and we're going to implement this. But there's transparency along the way. And to me, that's the difference. It's funny how many things on the podcast as we go back and forth, so many things come back to communication. It seems like almost every topic we talk about, we circle it around and it comes back to proper communication, proper setting of expectations at all levels. And I think it feels that way here as well. Once people clearly know what their expectation is and what a good job looks like, what the end game looks like for them, when, when they know that they're doing a good job, those calf paths begin to show up. It begins to, be, it begins to become more clear, I think, for, for people when that's the case. And expectations change as do calf paths and that's our destination, right? I mean, so if we're having continual conversations and that transparency is there and that care, that love, that concern is there, then everyone you know, at least the right people that should be on the team or on the bus, as we've talked a lot about, is willing to put in the effort to change or adjust that calf path. When a change is made in that sort of setting as well, think of the difference of, of how much more likely it will be to be accepted long term. If everybody can walk out of that that meeting and feel like, yeah, 
I feel good about this. I feel like we arrived at the best solution. Everybody's input was received. We didn't follow everybody's input, but at least it was it was heard, it was analyzed, and the the outcome now, yeah, that's something that I can get behind. The the likelihood of that change being successful in the organization is so much higher. Aaron, every time you tell that story about your your previous employer where your scorecard was thumbs up, thumbs down, it just makes me it makes me just cringe at how you could be expected as a, as a leader in your organization to now have to go out and perform the, the, the next month. How are you going to have any sort of excitement, buy-in, knowledge about whether what you're doing is actually good, whether it's actually making a difference without there being some sort of a scorecard? And, and, and I think that's the biggest reason why we talk so much about culture within an organization. When you have a great culture where people are all bought into the plan, they all understand the vision, they all understand the metrics, then when you're needing to make changes, people can have buy-in to it. But when you don't have a great culture and people are just showing up to, to do a job and collect a, collect a paycheck and they just want to show up, clock in, do their work, clock out and go home, it's a lot harder when you suddenly propose a change to that person. That's when it becomes disruptive to their way of life. No, 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 no. Did you not hear what I said? My way of life is to show up clock in, do my job, and then go home. I don't want any other riffraff here while I'm here. You suddenly coming in and bringing this change is disruption to my way of life. And I suddenly, I don't like my job anymore because that's always happening. Contrast that with an employee who is is bought into your vision, is a great promoter of your, of your culture, has perhaps been a recruiter of people to that culture uh, in, in terms of bringing people into the organization how differently does it look when that person suddenly has a change requested upon them? It's night and day difference, even though the change could be the exact same thing. It's all about the the way that it's received. And, and that starts before you even have the conversation, which is what is the, the mindset of the, of the employee or the mindset of the team in terms of being promoters of change or rejectors of change? And it seems the more often we do these things, the easier it is for people to be able to get behind that. You know, the person who helps to discover a calf path within their own workflow or within their own job, and they are a part of figuring out the new solution, they're going to be much more likely to help find other calf paths in their jobs and also be one of the first ones to help say, hey, this process we just came up with to fix the calf path, it needs to be modified too. Like, let's do this again. Let's tweak it again in the future and have it be a continuous improvement situation instead of just a one-time figure out the process and, and don't look at it again. Yeah, Clint, something that sticks out to me, you talk a, a lot about is, you know, just questioning everything. Everything's on the table. Again, we're, we're going to work through this together. No one's being attacked. Uh, full transparency. And to me, that's how you do identify calf pass and how you, you know, continually look to improve is by questioning everything all the time. Yeah. You know, we, uh, Jim Collins talks about autopsies without blame, you know, so an autopsy is done on a dead body to figure out what was the cause of death, what happened. And so when we have a failed process or a process that's failing and we go in and, and, and tear the process apart, you know, even if it was me that originally came up with the idea and it's the process that failed, we go into a room and, and 
I have to go in and know that there's not blame being, you know, being put my way, you know, because that process failed. It's just a part of the overall process to continuously improve. And that's much easier said than done. But the more often it's done and people really realize that that's how it can work within your culture, the more often it is to continue to be better. And people won't be quite so scared of of failing occasionally, as long as it's for the greater good to make things better. Well, I think accountability is key here, right? And I would dare say as a nation, as a country, you know, even worldwide accountability is at an all-time low. And even leaders, I'm I'm starting to see people in leadership positions that have a lower level of accountability and infectious in a terrible way because everyone's always feeling attacked or it's somebody else's fault and it does not promote changing of calf paths and analyzing and questioning everything because eventually that means, hey, I'm going to get in trouble because I made the wrong decision. And then you have people who shut down and they don't make decisions at all. And that's terrible within an organization as well. That's a great point. Really good point. Calf paths are something that I believe we see in every organization. I don't think we're ever going to eliminate all of them. It's a continuous process to find them. And as as you find them, new ones are being created. And I think the main thing is just like so much of what we do is awareness that they're there, calling it out when we seeing it, when we see it, and put a label on it, right? If in our organization we call it calf paths, in your organization, you can call it whatever you want. But just know that when there are processes that need to be improved or that you're doing it just because that's the way it's always been done, make it okay within your organization or even just within your team if you're leading a small team to be able to make that change and make it happen. Danny, Aaron, I'm so grateful to uh, to be able to be driving in the car with you guys here today. I love, love, love having these conversations and uh, so grateful that we were able to record this one for the podcast today. Oh, thanks for having me on. I, I kind of feel like it was a test to see if I can drive and talk and concentrate at the same time. So hopefully I pass. For all of you worried out there, we did it in a very safe way for Aaron. No worries. He didn't swerve off the road at any time during the recording of this podcast. At least no more than he would have otherwise. So <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, this is really fun. I appreciate you having me on, Clint. Yeah, it's been a blast. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. And until next week. Thanks for joining me on this week's episode of the Flavor of Leadership podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at flavoroflearership.com. Thanks for listening.